Well, happy Friday to you. This is uh, Friday, November 6th. So glad that you're here with me and we're studying the Word of God together. We're thanking God for the truth and the knowledge and the wisdom that He gives to us in His Word. Today I have a short devotional from 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3 as we kind of move through some of the Old Testament books highlighting some of the greatest stories of when God showed up. And in this story, God showed up to answer a prayer of King Solomon for wisdom. Actually, God asked him, what can I give you as a young king? And Solomon's prayer, his request is for wisdom. You know this story perhaps, and I just want to walk through it a little bit and show you some of the finer details of it because it is such a fantastic story. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 1, it starts off in the first verse, and it says this, Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. Now that's an interesting start to this story, but I think one of the things that it's trying to point out is the prominence in which uh, the nation of Israel had grown to and the prominence, therefore, that King Solomon had, even as a young king, knew in his reign, that here he was in this growing city and growing nation and a palace had been built by King David and now Solomon was expanding the palace. He was about to embark on building the temple and building walls around the city of Jerusalem and now, he uh, made an alliance with the king of Egypt. Well, Egypt was one of the largest countries around in the known world. And so to, to make an alliance with Egypt would have shown his power and his prominence. And so right here in verse 1, what we're seeing is, is uh, the authority that Solomon had, the resources that Solomon had, the power that Solomon had, all packed into one little verse, right? And so keep that in mind as we walk through this story. Then it says in verse 2, The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because a temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. In other words, in the meantime, as Solomon and the nation's prominence was growing, in the meantime, in this immediate moment and in this immediate story, there was a situation. And the situation was that the temple hadn't been built yet, right? As we have just recently been talking about. And so... They were still having to worship at the high places. Now, later on in the history of Israel, the phrase the high places takes on a very negative connotation because eventually the high places uh, were these altars that people used to sacrifice to idol gods or to false gods. But right now, earlier now in the history of Israel, the high places were actually set up as places to worship Yahweh. And so in this story, you need to realize that the phrase high places isn't negative. Um, it's just, um, it's, it's not negative, um, but it's not exactly positive either because what's happening is God is wanting them to now begin to worship and have the worship centralized in Jerusalem where the ark is. Remember, I've been talking about that for a couple of days. And so uh, it says here that, they still had to go and worship to Yahweh at the high places. Now, what was a high place? Well, a high place was an outdoor altar 
probably up in the hills somewhere, high places, right? Uh, and But it was um, uh, fairly basic, maybe on a rock somewhere or um, uh, on a hillside or a kind of a, a mound they would set up an altar. And uh, so these were fairly basic outdoor altars. And it says the people, they still had to go worship there because there wasn't a temple yet. Uh, and then it says, it makes a comment in verse 3, that Solomon um, was quite devout. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father David. So, very positive statement about, about Solomon and his faith and that he's doing things for God and for the Lord. And then it says, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. Again, uh, this is not meant to be negative that he's doing idol worship. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not the point. The point is that he hasn't yet followed God into the new way of, of worshiping at the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, you see. He's still kind of ingrained with this idea to go out to the high places and worship Yahweh, not idol gods, but Yahweh, at these outdoor altars. Uh, and so it's not bad, but it's not the best. And so uh, it, it, this, verse, this verse 3 is trying to show us that, yes, Solomon is following God, but he hasn't quite uh, followed him in the new way of worship yet in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. You, we're going to see, we're going to see at the end of the story that actually he finally finds God's new way, uh, and we're going to end the story with that. But for now, look at verse 4. It says, The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. Now, Gibeon, if you recall, I talked about a couple of days ago, was the place where the Ark of the Covenant used to be. In fact, the city was named Kiriath-Jerim. It was in the region of Gibeon. And so while they brought the Ark of the Covenant up to Jerusalem, there was still an altar back in Gibeon where the Ark of the Covenant had been. And so uh, Solomon was still drawn back. It was, it was so culturally ingrained in, in him and others to go to these high places because they've been doing it for hundreds of years now. And so it was as if he was feeling like he was doing the right thing by going and offering this thousand sacrifices at Gibeon. So again, he was doing a good thing, just not the best thing. Then it says in verse 5 that at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God asked, God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child. Now, he's not actually a child. That's just a phrase he's using. He's a young king, probably about 20 or 21. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So, verse 9, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. And so here 
Solomon has this dream. God shows up in the dream, asks him this question, what can I give you? And the one thing he asks for is wisdom, discernment, right? That's powerful. Um, this is, we love this story. I love this story. I want to be like Solomon, right, in this story. He asks for wisdom, not for wealth or power or honor, just wisdom. And let me go back to verse 1, right? He was a powerful man. He had resources. He had money. He had influence. And yet, um, he, he's not going for that power grab here. He could, right? He could so easily just go down that road and, 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 and take advantage of these things that, he's, that he has. But instead, he, he understands his plight that before God, he needs to really rein in those fleshly impulses, right? And to not be trapped by, uh, by the impulses of greed and power. And that only by God's strength, wisdom, and knowledge would he be able to move forth in, in goodness for his kingdom. And so he prays for it. He, he understands that if he doesn't pray for this thing, right, that he could just go off the rails so fast. Uh, uh, remember uh, even that God asked him, whatever you want. It was like an open door, right? He could have asked for anything at this point. God, God opened this door wide. And it's a test, right? It really is a test from God. And Solomon, of course, great words, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people that I might distinguish between right and wrong. Oh, that we would pray that every one of our government leaders would ask for the same thing. Oh, that we would pray that every one of us would ask for the same thing. That every leader in every organization would ask for the same thing. When you get to a place and a position of um, leadership, authority, decision-making, responsibility, you know. You know what I'm talking about. I know because... I face this all the time. God, just give me wisdom. Give me your, your insight. Because the greatest wisdom of all comes from above. I love Romans 11.33 on this one. Actually, 11.33-36, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments and His paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. The depths and riches of the, the wisdom and knowledge of God. That's what I want. I can't make great decisions on my own. I can't move forward leading a group of people with my own with only my own power, wisdom, and strength. It has to be from God. I have to have the wisdom of God. I have to be able to make right decisions. Any leader has to be able to make right decisions based on God's wonderful power, wisdom, and influence. Okay, let's continue on in the story. Uh, verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this, so God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. 
I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I love this part, verse 13, Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Wow. So Solomon asks for wisdom. God answers by saying, absolutely, I'll give you wisdom. And then I'll give you what you didn't ask for, which is riches and honor. You see, in the end, he gets all of God's resources. All of God's resources, if he has the right attitude. If he tries to get the, just the goodies, right, the riches and honor, then he won't have anything. God will deny it all. But if we ask for the right thing, if we ask for, for his kingdom purposes, in this case, wisdom, then he'll give us that plus more. And this is exactly the truth that we find in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, one of the greatest New Testament verses of all time. Jesus is talking about not worrying about the things of this world, but rather seeking God first. Matthew 6.33 says it so clearly. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Isn't that powerful? And all these things will be added unto you. All what things? All of the material things. So if you don't seek after the material things first, but rather seek after God, then He'll give you all that you need, both spiritual and material. That's a powerful, that's a powerful promise. I will give you what you've asked for, plus I will give you more. I will give you what you haven't asked for. Well, I love this idea, this truth of seeking God's wisdom, and I've um, been familiar with a beautiful song written by Keith Getty called The Perfect Wisdom of Our God. And one of the verses in it says, O oh, grant me wisdom from above to pray for peace and cling to love and teach me humbly to receive the sun and rain of your sovereignty. Each strand of sorrow has a place within this tapestry of grace. So through the trials I choose to say, O oh, grant me wisdom from above. I'm going to post that song on this Facebook live stream when I'm done, and I really want you to go listen to it because it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Grant me wisdom from above. Now, here's the punchline of the whole story. Look at verse 15. Then Solomon awoke, and he realized it had been a dream, that God had visited him in a dream. And he returned to Jerusalem, and he stood before, watch this now, he stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant and he sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. And then he gave a feast for all of his courts. What's the point? The point is that the very first act that he did was full of new wisdom. Was full of new wisdom. Because he had been sacrificing down in Gibeon. Again, not a bad thing, but not the best thing. And now, the first thing he did was he realized the new way of God, which is to sacrifice up on Mount Moriah at the Ark of the Covenant. Isn't that a precious, a precious ending to this story? And sometimes we miss that. But uh, it's the perfect ending. Listen, uh, how are you praying for wisdom? 
or as I've said in the title of my devotion for today, Solomon prays for wisdom. What are you praying for? <laughs> and I trust it's the things of God, uh, the purposes of his great kingdom. And I'll keep praying for that as well for myself. Um, sometimes we pray that and we don't necessarily feel it. And I think that's even a great time to pray for it. Maybe you don't feel like praying for that. Maybe you, your flesh says that you, you want to pray for, um, for the riches and the honor. But instead, um, there's something deeper inside of you. Something that maybe is deeper than a feeling. It's a knowledge. It's a realization that even if you don't feel like it, you should pray for it. And I think that's where this comes from. We pray for something deeper than a feeling much deeper than our flesh. It's down in our spirits and something tells us we need something better. So let's all pray for God's wisdom deep from within our spirits, even sometimes when we don't feel like it. God in heaven, we thank you so much that you teach us these super important truths in your word. God, they are your perfect and errant revelation to us. These stories are, they're very, very fun and interesting to read and learn and understand, and then at the same time, they become eternal truth for us. So you've done just the right thing. You've given us a story, many stories in your word. And it's easy to hear a story, Lord, and that's just a great way to get that truth into our hearts. Lord, we just want to serve you and worship you today. This has been a great week, Lord. We've had peace because we have you this week, Lord, in the midst of um, tremendous turmoil in our world, in our country. But even though there's tremendous turmoil in our country, does not mean that there has to be turmoil in our hearts. And so we praise you for that peace today once again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love all of you. Have a great rest of your day and have a great weekend. And I look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning, 1045. See you then.